everyone's in the full holiday spirit, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Jackie, you started on pre pre Thanksgiving, as did we. Yeah. To some degree. I know Mike Lyons watching this. He put in our family Slack channel, like who has their Christmas stuff already? And he was the only one without Christmas stuff. Up. <laughs> the minority. Yeah. We're, we're big Christmas buffs over here at uh, DYC. I think the pandemic, you know, it didn't change everything, but it, it changed that. It's like, what, if you're going to go through all this effort, why not enjoy it a little bit longer? Now there are rules. Yeah. I think most of us agreed Christmas music shouldn't be played until after Thanksgiving. But yes. yeah, there's always. We actually had to put up our, well, we, I put up our Christmas lights for Halloween because my toddler was terrified of <laughs> the balloons, the inflatable decorations. So I was like, fine, I'll put the lights up and they'll be orange. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. There's um, one of my uh, friends, uh, uh, Krista Peterson. She, her, she has two, I think they're labs. And they're both terrified of the things she puts on the steps that are Christmas ornaments or mm-hmm. decorations. <laughs> and so just every year she posts this story of like the dog, just like, wait, those elf things weren't there before. Like what is going on? It's hilarious. Animals are generally hilarious. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 253. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is Jackie Lipinski and Becca Thomas. Hi. And as usual, we are recording video. We've been doing this for a couple months now, and that video will always be available in DYC All Access, which is our completely free and always will be community where we share things more regularly, more in-depth, different chances to get interactive. You can get get it via an app or uh, via the web. You can chat with other marketers around the country. More good stuff to come. In fact, I'll talk more about that in my story time. But to begin with, some things never change. (laughs) Yeah, I can go first. So first, well, actually, let me start off. I want to piggyback that Christmas story. A lot of marketers, too, are trying to keep fresh. So they're updating their photos and ads to like holiday lights and stuff like that. So if you have those and you have enough time, just making sure to refresh and just a quick yeah, like it doesn't require deep thought. It's like just add in <laughs> a little, you know, it's 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 kind of like drone footage. You don't want to have that be your exclusive medium that you're using to advertise. It's mm-hmm. like the pumpkin spice latte. A little bit goes a long way, but definitely try to be contextual when you can. Yeah. It's it's more to me, it makes more sense than a company you've never done business with wishing you happy Thanksgiving or you know, Merry Christmas, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely make sure there's some product in that Christmassy yes. stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, but my real story time has to do with some of the calls that have been occurring the first two weeks of the month so far. And some have been interesting because I feel like some marketers are like, yeah, there's just, there's nothing I can do for the rest of the year to increase sales. So we're just going to kind of coast. We're, you know, it's time to breathe. And then I have other marketers who are like, 
great. Let's work on a two-week project for the next end of the year. We're going to work with our sales team. We're going to get that message out on how we can get those deals and, and try to create some more urgency through the end of the year to close. And so that kind of brought me to, you know, who is going to have a better 2023? And then also if you're not to say you can't take a breather, but we know historically January 1st, as from our data, we see this big uptick in traffic and leads and website traffic. And if you're not prepping for that, and if your photos are missing or any standing inventory isn't ready and prepped to go, you know, you're going to have, it's going to be more painful to the end of the year if you don't start off your year right. So just yeah, even if this is a time to usually historically slower for sales, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be ready and prepped and, and trying to create more sales because it's it's going to get harder and marketers are going to yeah. have to work harder. You got to so, take advantage of yeah. the time to get proactive, not reactive. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have been in reactive mode for too long already, but you got away mm-hmm. with it because of of sales results. And now you feel like you have to react because things are changing so fast. So there's there's not very many opportunities. It's really this time of year, sometimes at the end of the summer, and when you change jobs, that you get a chance to be like, ah, okay, what's the actual important thing that keeps getting pushed off that I can now address? Yeah. And if you're between yeah. jobs, then that's usually just like doing something personal. You can't really yeah. <laughs> learn a new language. I, I don't know. Yeah, what else. That vlog series you've been talking about. Yeah. How about you? What's your, what's your story? So I've had a couple of calls with builders lately that got me thinking one about having a slower market and what the benefits are to the buyer in the market. And then two, how marketing can kind of uh, convey that message to help sales. And I think one of the things that we've not had a chance to think about for a long time is the buyer experience and having a personalized, more human interaction type of a purchasing journey. Mm-hmm. And then marketing's ability to kind of take those journeys where people get to actually pick what they want in the house and a floor plan that they really want on a home site they really want, instead of just having to say, I want that one and I got to pay 50 grand more than mm-hmm. than asking price. And then I still might not get it. Like it's really the time for buyers, right? For those buyers in the market, this is a great time to buy. And it's our job as marketers to kind of bring the momentum back to sales by sharing that. Like you can actually change the flooring if you don't want EVP. You can have good customer service. I was two builders this week, uh, both reached out and and said, Hey, this isn't really part of our core product offering. And like a lot of builders who are trying to refocus their energies on the things that are most important when all this demand was there, it was all about, you know, production style versus semi-custom, et cetera. So, but you know, we've had several, one, one builder, it's pretty small volume builders. So we've had three different two to $3 million buyers and their average sales price would probably be five to 600 show up and just say, please build us this home. Will you please yeah. work with us? And that's really tempting. What do you think? And then another builder in Virginia beach area, it's like, yeah, these folks are coming out of the woodwork at the high price points. Uh, one and a half, $2 million and up. And I think one, there is this idea that they have cash. They're not as rate sensitive and they're looking at the opportunity potentially of, of lower prices from new construction. I, that's certainly part of it. But I, I think the other part is that demographic psychographic profile of people 
is used to having an experience and a level of service that no one has been able to give them. And, you know, when people ask me, Hey, how, how is your new house? I'm like, I love it. It's great. It meets all of our needs. Someone asked me yesterday, what would you do different? Not, not a lot. Like normally you would go through a process like this and have a big old list. And after living here for a year, there's maybe two or three things, which could all be relatively straightforward addressed too. They're not like, Oh man, I wish I would have done different ceiling height or something. But I do say, but I would never, ever recommend building a home like this during a pandemic. <laughs> right? So, so there's just this sense of, I don't want to go through anything big, long, complicated when I can't get service from a human being or yeah. from a company that's willing to listen to me. And that is, I think, the, as generally as an industry, we've over-indexed in the prices are lower, financing is available to... Yeah. We've, we've addressed and corrected and revamped our customer experience opportunity for you of, you know, we are able to meet with you virtually or in a hybrid fashion. If you would like to, we are able to allow you to make selections and changes. We are able to begin committing to actual construction deadlines, all these things that do need to be talked about because I think people certainly not from within our own industry necessarily, because people don't go through that that quickly. But, you know, I I generally have great experiences on airlines. The number of terrible experiences I've had with airlines over the last year is exponentially larger than the typical year. Going out to eat, heck, trying to get Taco Bell for my four starving children was a 45 minute experience with only three people ahead of me in line. The other, and it's just like, I don't, translating that into, can you imagine, honey, going through the building process for a year? is what they're telling you. And it just took us 45 minutes to get something that used to take three minutes. So I think, I think service is a service and opportunity for that experiential part of what we do Mm. definitely needs to be talked about more. Yeah. I think that other like refinancing opportunities or buy downs, like those should be things like icing on the cake. Like, yes, they Mm. may speak to certain people, but if you have good content about good experiences that will bring a lot more momentum to the sale. And then having those other promos just kind of gets them off the last edge of that fence. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I will go next. My story time is a little bit more of an in-depth, I guess I'm going to make it a story discussion with (laughs) the two of you because I, I posted this video in all access today I've kind of outlined some ideas for an article as well, but I think there's someone asked me, Hey, Kevin, what are like the leading indicators and behaviors that can influence marketing? Uh, Also was asking a a sales trainer, the same question. And I thought he was originally talking about metrics. Hey, what are the, what are the metrics or the dashboard that I should be looking at to determine if, if things are headed in the right direction or about to change. So I gave him that answer. And then I had a call with him the next day and he was like, this is great, but actually I was really looking for behaviors that my team needs to have in order to have consistent results. Ah, that's a different question. And, and kind of life on the coaching call, I was like, thank you for helping me create, get more content in my brain by thinking through this. And I think there are I would say five areas of opportunity and I'll quickly list them out here. The first is not understanding or knowing how to understand actual market demand. 
you know, people think if I just spent an extra hundred grand next year in advertising, I should be able to sell X amount more homes. You can't just make a statement like that unless you know the demand for different price points in your area. How many homes have historically sold there? What are the missing uh, products that are not serving that market currently that create opportunity? There's you know deep competitive analysis that needs to be done on a continual basis to understand that. But I think generally there's just oftentimes this, especially from people in marketing who really consider themselves, I would say, more advertisers than marketers. But as advertisers, like that's not even part of my job. I don't need. But who who is who is looking at that? Who is understanding that? That's that's one of the big behavior things that the team just doesn't know how to do well. The second is misunderstanding their own data. So the first is data that's you know hovering around your organization on the outside. But then there's all this data being created in your own organization and not full analysis of the funnel. That's number three, but just what, is, what does bounce rate mean? What is a user? What is a session? Is a cost per click supposed to be higher or lower? What's a good conversion rate? All, all these kind of minuscule pieces of data that they just assume big numbers are good, small numbers are bad, and that produces results that are both sad and hilarious, like a builder saying, hey, I generated a thousand leads last month from display ads, and I want to make sure we keep doing that. And yet the online team and other people are talking about, hey, most of these leads are spam. They're not good. But if you're not fully understanding the data you're looking at, like, oh, big number is good. Small number would be bad. The third is analyzing the data within the overall kind of customer journey or funnel. And that's where the market proof algorithm comes in. We've talked about that at our summits for years and in our marketing academies. That algorithm really identifies where is the likely pain point and what are the two, two at most three potential causes for that. And then you go and, and work on it, either individually as a department or, or collaboratively. The fourth is not knowing how to communicate properly with those above you or in other departments. And this one is... The hardest, I think, of all of them to address because I don't know how to do it other than through personal coaching or through mentor-mentee relationships with other marketers who have been around longer and, and have experience doing that. But you both know we spend a lot of time on our calls with marketers just kind of saying, okay, here's how you're going to frame the problem and the potential solution. Here's the data points you need to grab. Here's how you're going to package it all together. Here's how you're going to make them not feel stupid encourage their feedback without giving them license to walk all over you. You know, that's a lot of, you know, in the margins kind of interaction that we have with builders. And then the last one is just getting the work done. Sometimes you, you find people who are, they or their team are good at the first four, mm -hmm. but it just takes forever for content to be pushed out <laughs> or changes to be made. Um, so I think those are the kind of the big five areas that I think people struggle with. And, you know, I talked about the market proof algorithm is a solution for one. The, the marketing academy uh, is, is for our, the free content we put out around understanding marketing data is one. You've got people like Zonda and organic traf traffic data and local housing data that you can look at for, for one there is a way to solve all those and that'll be listed in the article and, and listed out in all access. But any, as I'm going through those five, is there anything else that you think might be I'm missing or 
stuff Calm missing, down. but I, I, I was writing some notes over here on the side because I didn't watch that video beforehand, but misunderstanding of data number two, highly agree. I feel like I've become mm-hmm. an expert of explaining why bounce rates, what they are and why they're not always a bad thing because they're indicators of a healthy ad campaign or not, or how to think about them or, or what that means for your pages and how to enhance that. Yeah, with and, or any metric just on its own. Yeah. You know, for yeah. an individual inventory home to have an average time on the page of four minutes, but a 75, 85% bounce rate, that is check the box. Advertising has done all it can do. I think one thing that kind of ties the advertising of, has checked the box with the whole funnel. And as people work their way through the conversion funnel to communicating that to your leadership is the market proof algorithm. Like it, it very, definitely should be able to hold your hand. Yeah. That. It clearly points out at which part in the funnel, the conversion is, or not the co- conversion, but the problem is, and then it helps you kind of center around, okay, so these are the things that are working. This one, we kind of need to think about, let's go think about it and then bring that all to leadership and convey, communicate that properly. And here's how this is going to sound like a braggadocious antidote, but I don't do that normally. So it's okay. But we had a, we had a call with a home builder who reached out and I was like, Hey, you know, just tell, tell us what's going on. Why, why are you reaching out to us? Is there anything that your current provider is not doing well? You're like, no, our current provider's okay. Why are we, why are we talking? I mean, I'm not a salesperson, right? But tell tell me more about that. What's going on? I mean, there's a reason you're on the call with me. (laughs) And they said, well, our owner, our owners just said, Kevin and his team are the smartest people out there. So you should go talk to them and work with them. Now that what's really interesting to me is I'm not saying that we are the smartest or, or anything like that. What's interesting to me is it shows the power of if you do the all five of those things that they didn't have a cause or a need to change, except for they apparently are not able to articulate up mm-hmm. the way that I was able to articulate uh, on a webinar or a talk or something. And they were like, that person I can understand better. And that makes me feel more comfortable as an owner. So I would like you to work with somebody like that. Because it wasn't, hey, they're breaking this, they're not doing that. It was just, yeah, we were just told, go work with you. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, not in our industry, but I think even in the tech industry, they like to use giant buzzwords to kind of seem exciting, crypto, this, what kind of words. But I, in the nicest way possible, right? Can I explain it to a five-year-old? Can I, uh, That's where we really need to focus the information to get what the thought process, what is actually important through. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think not just explain it as a five-year-old though, explain it for a five-year-old in a way that makes the five-year-old want to do something like you can't, it's not just about passing off a list of facts and, and metrics and figures. It is telling that story with the data in a way that a five-year-old can comprehend it and know what's in it for them. I'm mm-hmm. asking you to help me make this decision leadership team. And here's the two options and here's the pros and the cons and here's everything you need to know. Now you, you give me the direction you want us to go in. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. All right. On. I wanted to come at one last thing for number five for getting work done. Julie mentions this all the time. Time block. 
time block. Yes. Have requirements for yourself monthly. You know, you send an email monthly. What what is marketing doing? But if no one's holding you accountable, you need to be your own accountability and have high standards for yourself to succeed. I think that's where the thing reflecting on my own time as a builder. The thing that really seemed to work for me when I I have mentioned this before, I'd always lie to myself and be like, I'll just work really hard until I'm 30 and then I'll, you know, take a break. And then when I got 30, (laughs) I was like, I'm going to work really hard until I'm 40 and then, uh, then it'll be easier. Like I've done all the hard stuff. And then you're like, "Eh, I'll work really hard until I'm 50. So whatever mental game you want to play there. But the other thing that was really helpful and still is helpful is having a public task list. So I, you know, I would just have a whiteboard in my office. This is circa 2007, 2008. I just listed all of the things that were being worked on and done. So when people walked in or walked by, they were curious. Sometimes, sometimes people from other apartments would just walk in and glance at the board like, Hey, do you need anything? No, I'm just, you know, waiting for the president to become available. Just hanging out here and wanted to see what you guys are working on. It was both a a way for people to tell that work was being done that might not be visible to them normally, but also it's, I'm putting that publicly out there that the due date for this is X and especially now, and this is not a transition into hustle culture or any of the rest. If you've made a public commitment to someone that you're going to get something done, that again, can be the fuel, the fire that says, okay, well, once the kids are in bed, I'm going to go back to work on this because it's supposed to be done tomorrow. And that's what the world knows and expects it to be done. Yeah. So whatever you need to do, but you, you got to find a way to get the work done. And we have tools that we can share with you uh, in all access if you, if you need that. All right, Jackie, onto the news. All right. First up from doyouconvert.com, we've won two silver awards. Hey, hey, from the nationals, both in the same category, which I don't know how often that happens, but I don't recall that happening a lot. Uh, So this is in the Best Professional Industry Insight Series. Wow. Category, which is essentially podcasts, training materials, shows, programs. Meredith won, well, several people won last year um, for, shoot, what's the name of (laughs) Builder Town Hall. That's what it is, Builder Town Hall. So again, congratulations to Meredith was and, and the rest of the crew. That was well, well-deserved. But um, Market Proof Marketing is up for a second year in a row. And this year as well, Opt, Online People Talking, which Jen Barkin is up as well. So like all deadlines, this was enforced by NHB and, and Lisa Parrish and team. But it was like, okay, we're going to make a highlight reel for this stuff. And the deadline is X. And so that means, uh, hey, everyone, I'm going to skip dinner and we're going to get this thing submitted. So it was worth the effort on that front. So, um, again, also congratulations to Kimberly Mackey head to head is the third, uh, silver award winner in that category. So that means all three of us go on and one of us will be crowned the, uh, the, the gold winner at the builder show this year in Vegas. Very exciting still. Yeah. Next up is, uh, and not really news and, you know, go ahead, Jackie, tell, tell everyone this was something you added, but then I'll yeah. add a little extra, uh, tidbit of info at the sure. end. I was having a meeting with the builder, uh, Linnea, thanks Linnea. And she had mentioned, oh, have you guys seen this website? And it's called Answer the Public. And it's from Neil Patel, who is a very well-known marketer, one of the, I think, top 10 most influential marketers out there. And they created this website where it gathers commonly searched questions. And it talks about what our highest priority and what kind of who, what, where, when, how can content 
frame. So I would highly recommend checking it out. It's a very interesting graphic, but it it's a place to start the conversation of where content can be created from and what questions are being asked. And so for the example we put in there, for Answer the Public, we searched new homes. And some of those were like, how does it work? New construction homes, how does that work? Can new homes have radon? That's not a great one. But just in terms of what are the, the top most searched things within these categories and how can you create content to alleviate you know, stress or anything around maybe questions that might be negative, or how do you take those positive questions and spin them to something and create them about your builder specifically? So it's a really, really great starting at point for I think, content and content calendars moving forward into 2023. Yep. So here's here's the backstory, which I didn't tell you until now because that's fun to just reveal stuff on the podcast even to you. Oh. Um, Justin Nolette from Sterling Homes in Edmonton yeah. uh, showed me this website, uh, oh gosh, probably six years ago when I went to go visit with him. And it used to have a, a video of like an old man. It was like this grumpy old guy with a, like couldn't hear. And so he had this megaphone. It was really like, it was very whimsical in its approach. Answer the Public was acquired by Neil Patel Digital in June, I think of this year or sometime in 2022. So it's now much more kind of corporate-y, which is fine. That's that in of itself is just interesting to me. But the, then when I was, I was like, I, I didn't know Neil Patel owned this. Neil Patel is a very prolific or infamous figure in the yes. marketing space. Very well known, but very well known for being, uh, having an incredibly huge ego. He, he, he ran a series of ads one time and it was, he, he's bald gentlemen. I don't know if that's natural or like self-induced baldness, but he ran a series of advertising campaigns where it was everyone who worked for him had to also be bald and wear the same white t-shirt that he wears. Very like, like you can have me, I don't, it was just very, so, so the, the, I'll put the link in the chat here, Jackie, cause I know you'll, you'll want to take a look at it later. It's really interesting. He does. I I've looked at his stuff and like anyone, he produces some content that's really well uh, done and on spot on point. A lot of it is is also self-servicing serve, serving. This particular tool, though, it it does exactly what Jackie was describing. I just think the background of it's really interesting. And why Neil wanted to buy it is probably to get a sense of what are people looking for needing help with creating content around. So it's kind of like what are marketers interested in in learning more about? And there's just some some funny uh, tweets on on that sheet that I sent over to you, Jackie. But it is it is a great tool. I would say, especially the first like two weeks that you use it, it's incredibly helpful. It falls, it can fall off a little bit after that because it tends to like, it's a formulaic system. It's not like using AI and machine learning. It's, it's just looking at, it kind of repeats a lot of things, but it is a good, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like Kickstarter of ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's just like, oh, okay. That, that is what people are searching and let's take our own spin on it. But yeah, I love when that stuff kind of comes back around. Cause I, like, I, I didn't forget about it cause it's not useful. I just forgot about it but it's a great, it's a great tool. Next up, uh, back again from doyouconvert.com. Join us at the Builder Show. There are link, link in the show notes to everything there, but we will um, have multiple people at the show this year. Sessions on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, four different sessions all together. Now that's, um, I know there's rules and we didn't break any of them. Uh, there's uh, a, a lightning, what do they call it? Lightning round, lightning talk. Um, something as part of those 
uh, two educational sessions, and then the sales rally. Jen Barkin is part of uh, the sales rally along with Myers Barnes, Quint Lears, Jason Forrest, and Mary Marshall. Um, so check that out. We will see you there. If you want to hang out, have lunch, have dinner, we will, well, I'll be around. You text me. All right, next up, this is from Landbot.io, which is, I believe, a chat tool that also has a podcast. And I put this in here because I heard an interview with Rand Fishkin. He's the gentleman who started Moz, uh, which is a, a big SEO firm. He became uh, really famous when he started doing a series called Whiteboard Wednesdays, I believe, which was him explaining deep technical SEO theory using a black marker and uh, a dry erase board behind him. <laughs> it was like, oh man, this, this person makes sense and is showing things in a visual format. So Rand and, and his brand is kind of connected forever with SEO because of, uh, you know, he, he was one of the, the leading minds in that field for so long. So it was very interesting when I heard him talk I couldn't find the the place that I had heard him talk, but so I just Googled and I found this article from Landbot, which has both a great article as well as the actual interview that you can listen to, the audio of that interview. And Rand is beginning to make the argument that the golden age of SEO is over. That doesn't mean SEO is not important, uh, in particular local SEO and content creation, but his new company, SparkToro, so again, we always need to understand someone's potential biases as they're pitching something or a point of view. His SparkToro helps people find niche sources of content syndication, or like if you were going to start a new company and you wanted to know what are the, the tier B podcasts that maybe not everyone knows about, but the, the 50 to 100 listeners, like, like, a, like a do you convert, honestly, if you, you're trying to reach marketers in home building and you didn't know that that this podcast existed, his tool would help you understand where your listeners, what they listen to, or your, your target market, what they listen to, what they read, what websites they go to, what social channels they follow. So, but his argument is that there are so, when it comes to search, Google can now display four, five, or even six ads before the first organic result. So he's like that, just the payoff is not as, like you can be number one in organic and still be, technically in position six and not just technically behind, you know, blue text links, but a map images, you know, direct answers to the content from a competitor's website, which then requires no click at all. Um, he also talks about the fact that uh, there's just way more competition around. Uh, there's, there's only more people trying to do SEO better over time. So there's, there's less outbound links happening because of of how organic engines are changing the way they deliver answers. Even, you know, some, some of the stuff with uh, chat GPT, GPT and um, open AI and the rest, it's like, man, discussion with a super intelligent uh, AI that just can tell you contextually an answer versus having to send out a link to Wikipedia uh, will be, will certainly be compelling and might change the name of the game. So we don't, we don't have to talk about it here. Just go, Go listen to it, go read the thoughts, and um, be prepared to have some of your assumptions tested by somebody who knows, like he, he openly admits, SparkToro gets almost no traffic from search engines. But it's, it's a successful startup that is going to pay off all their investors in the next year and then begin paying out profit checks to investors the year after. And he's like, I don't, I don't need SEO, which is just mine. Mind blowing coming from someone who knows that much about it. 
Next up from uh, businessinsider.com, Meta has threatened to pull all news from Facebook in the U.S. if an ill-considered bill that would compel it to pay publishers passes. Uh, this has been floating around before and kind of died and went away. It did happen in Australia or New Zealand, I believe, where they pulled all the news. But do either one of you get your actual news from no. meta platforms? But I think I was reading on no. Reddit that it's also included in Reddit as like a, like Reddit would be involved in this too, in terms of like, it, it's more difficult for them to link to news. But even Facebook admits like, we don't need you to survive, but you need us to survive. So this can't yeah. kind of like, uh, the lose-lose situation. And they talked about in this article when they blocked off in Australia that it had to block off pages for fire departments, emergency services, food banks, mm. organizations, because that's like technically government information and how the information goes out. So wouldn't, wouldn't I, I mean, even to the point, it's not that I don't get news from this as a source, but I almost feel like the whole platform would be better if there wasn't any news. I or, agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> and like, again, I, I keep talking about this. I go to Instagram to look at videos, funny videos of golden retrievers. And that's all that I get served when I go there. Now, if I'm, if I open up reels or stories, uh, or sorry, reels specifically, all it is is golden retrievers. I'm not missing out on anything by not hearing about a political news story in mm -hmm. my, I don't, I don't yeah. feel like I'm losing I think, anything. I think it's too hard to verify the sources and there's too much leeway to have fake news so if you just remove it all together and you go to your news for your news yeah or you know like twitter has advantages it has the same challenges with authority but real time there's still yeah. really no better place maybe reddit jackie you would argue jackie's a fanatic on on reddit on twitter mm -hmm. when something live is happening you hop on twitter and you type that in you're going to see hundreds of and, and like the whole ftx bankruptcy you would know what was happening days before the news outlets would report anything if you were on Twitter. And again, not all of it's accurate, but in terms of speed, that's where I would go. Accuracy, I would, I would probably not go to any social platform. No. <laughs> I, I mean, really, what platform do you go to? I guess we could argue that one. But interesting, just don't, don't let that article or that headline be the thing that lets someone in your organization come to you and say, see, we shouldn't be doing any advertising on this platform whatsoever because now you can't even have news on it and it's, and it's dying. It's dead. The rats are jumping off the ship. It's still, what is it? A billion active users yeah. a week or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's still a lot going on there. Next up from Zillow, this is breaking news from today, December 8th. So we don't have a lot of insight here, but I think this is really interesting. Zillow Group acquires VRX Media to create National Photographer Network to elevate listing media through their Showing Time Plus brand. So Showing Time Plus is um, getting access to homes using their Showing Time platform. They acquired that company, I think, a year and a half ago. And now they're building additional services on top of that, where it's not just access to the homes to schedule showings, which is what Showing Time started as. But now under Showing Time Plus, it's it's here's a suite of services that you, the listing agent, uh, can use to make your life easier. Some people are kind of speculating this is their first step or first additional step in in recent time towards a buyer, uh, an agent super app, or as an agent, this is the tool you're going to use to just. I get the listing, I add the listing data in, I have showing time plus to get access and let other people schedule showings. And then I can just click a button with VRX and have someone come out and take great pictures for me. 
This is very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Why why do you think it's exciting, Becca? Because there's so many realtors and actually even there's opportunity here for, for sale by owners, right? Because our realtor, although was able to sell our house, the photos that she took, I was kind of disappointed with, Um, but it was the market. We didn't need the best ever. We are going to need the best ever coming up. And um, I think there are a lot of realtors that could benefit from just picking up the phone and saying, okay, photo VRX, I need your help. Come on over. (laughs) Yeah. I I was not familiar with VRX as a company. The one that I was more familiar was one called Virtuance, which offers, it looks like very, very similar. Even when you just look at their site, um, seems to be very different. So you can in Virtuance's case, as long as they um, serviced your area, you could just buy a package of photos. You know, here's 30 HDR photos. You could get drone footage, um, all kinds of different Matterport tours, et cetera. And so it looks like VRX is kind of the same. They're using a network of, of people who can capture content and then bundling that um, to make it easy yeah. for someone to just get all the content they need. And that's whatever makes it easy. Too, Airbnb started standardizing their high quality photos for each listing, and that really like shot mm. them up the next level in terms of um, how people interacted with their website. So I could see that was view, that, that was this company you're talking about. No, no, sorry, just Airbnb in general kind of started oh. standardizing, like having a higher expectation yeah. of their photos. And I think this too, it's and it talks about um, you know seventy percent of sellers said they'll be more likely to hire an agent who includes a virtual tour, as well as seventy percent of sellers included a virtual tour were more likely to receive an all cash offer. So once people can feel and see and makes it like yours, Becca, like if there is better photos, like it potentially has more opportunity for people to, to fight over it and have a better. Here's the thing I don't know. And if you're listening and you work at Zillow, you can help me understand is I understand how YouTuber provides fantastic value for, for builders and developers because all of our houses are empty except for maybe a salesperson who would not be sad if someone came in <laughs> while they were there. For showing time, you know, I would imagine the majority of existing homes are still occupied. And so I would just, I think the value certainly would still be there of, of an automated platform to schedule and make this all work as seamlessly as possible. I just don't, I don't understand the guts really of how that would be different because certainly my wife would, and maybe that's all they do, Hey, I, I'm not willing to take the kids and the dog out of the house at this time frame. but here's a window that is open and then it becomes self-serve. It might just be yeah. as simple as that, but. So my realtor had show time, show it, showing something. Time. Yeah. So she used that and you could actually go on the calendar and, and mm. me as the homeowner could say, these are the times when I can Perfect. be out yeah. of the house. So it was like Calendly for showings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. Well, never mind, Zillow. We we figured it out. Thanks, Becca. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> from Redfin.com. Are they still in business? That's a bad joke, but uh, I think Redfin's Redfin's hurting. And you could have guessed, not not that I did, but as soon as that terrible show on Netflix came out, where um, where the CEO of Redfin was one of the sharks, mm-hmm. like, maybe you should run the business instead of being famous. Nice guy, though from my interactions on Twitter with him over the years. Okay. Redfin housing market predictions for 2023, a post pandemic sales slump will push home prices down for the first time in a decade. Why, why 
Why, Jackie, do you have this sad article for us to look at today? There's some positive things in okay. there. Well, right. yeah. So I think it's more of, I think we've talked about this in the past. One, we even have our own internal predictions document. Not everything happens. Two, it is nice to see where you compare of what you predicted, what's going to happen. But it's also just, you can't be an ostrich and hide your head in the sand, fake story. Um, you have to be aware of what other people are reading and what they're seeing and know how, as a marketer, how can we work against that or pivot or, or create strategies with the information that people are predicting. So it's good to good to be aware of. I'm sure you have more positive takeaways on it, Kevin, but. Well, I just, again, sales decline sounds terrible, but I just, I'll use for the 50th time now, my story of if a builder, let's say, or a realtor gave me $50,000 today and took back 20,000 or 30,000 of it tomorrow, I'm still ahead. Yeah. And so I think that's the most important thing is however you want to look at it. Yes. Declines, but declined from what period? And so I think I wish I had the the exact data point here to share with everyone now, but there was an article today, I'll find it, that said approximately 8% of current, um, of people who bought this year are underwater or owe more on their house than it's potentially worth. So just because home prices across the board are going down, like how does that affect most people? And it, it unless they're, imminently about to sell, it really doesn't would be the first thing. The second is even when it does impact you, if the decline is from a enormous run-up in appreciation, like it's not, it's only the last, gosh, it was that fortune article that I, I shared a, a, a yeah. snippet of too. It's only within the last, I think two months that pri that appreciation has actually gone negative. All of the other headlines about appreciation declining at a rapid rate just meant instead of going up by 40%, we were only going up by 20 and then only up by 12, but we were still going up. It was just going up less. And so, yeah, that's, but let's just go through them real quick. Cause I, I, I think going through the, the details here will still be fun. So prediction number one, which that's why you picked it. Cause we love predictions. Prediction number one, home <laughs> sales will fall to their lowest level since 2011 with a slow recovery in the second half of the year. I think that one's interesting because why will it slow to its lowest level? Is it because everyone's going bankrupt and getting kicked out of their homes? No. Or because they don't want to put their homes on the market and lose that lower yes. interest rate and really have to have a, a really burning desire or need to do so. I got just a reminder, this, this article is about the entire market, not home builders, right? So it's, it's mm -hmm. existing primarily. Prediction number two, mortgage rates will decline, ending the year below 6%. If that happens, folks, um, it's going to be off to the races. I, I really, I was talking yeah. with um, Terry from TST Inc. about this, and we both agreed that if rates do get below six or even close to five and a half would be amazing, obviously. The response could be as strong and as swift as the decline was and could catch us off guard again. So Redfin says we expect the 30-year fixed mortgage rates to gradually decline to around 5.8% by the end of the year, with the average rate sitting at about 6.1. Why would that happen? Why would there be such a sharp uh, jump in activity potentially if this does occur? I think it's because there's always more people sitting on the fence than taking advantage of an opportunity. And I, I think there's way more people yeah. kicking themselves 
you know, outwardly they're like housing is stupid and I would never pay for that overpriced, but it's because it's they can't afford it now and they're pissed. I get it. But they're also saying to themselves silently, but if rates ever go down again, I'm going to take advantage of it this time. Just like any investment opportunity. You're like, why didn't I do it when I had the chance? And that's, so I think there's a whole bunch of people sitting on the fence who will, who will rush in if rates do go down like that. Prediction number three, home prices will post their first year-over-year decline in a decade, but the U.S. will avoid a wave of foreclosures. And that's definitely one of the, one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. We expect the median home sale price to drop by roughly 4%. Remember, prices have appreciated 40% since uh, early 2020. The first annual price drop since 2012. Um, so, but as long as people aren't getting, you know, put into bankruptcy or foreclosure, which equals distress sales, which means sales that have to occur versus being able to wait for that price to come back. And my favorite, uh, I think you both probably have opinions on this, Prediction number four, Midwest and the Northeast will hold up the best as overall market cools. Yeah, I mean, if I think if you're in one of those markets, great article, but also um, they talked about how they had the least volatility in housing prices. So they have the, they don't have to come down as much and kind of like embarrassingly reduce their prices and have to work with people who are in their funnel about the price. Yeah. So it's just going to be an easier transition for them. The most surprising one on the list to me is Chicago. They sit in at number two of the U.S. housing markets most likely to hold up the best in 2023. And the only reason I say that is there's still a lot of new construction activity in greater Chicagoland area. Um, Yeah, that one one surprises me. Most of the builders who are in Chicago, unless you've been there forever, like the big builders tend to just grumble about like Chicago is so tough and it's just such a fragmented market. and. I don't know. You're from Chicago. Does that surprise you or do you? No, no. I mean, like anywhere, it just has, it's so much bigger than people think and everything is Chicago, even if you're in the suburbs, which I was from. Yeah, you can almost be in another state and still be in Mm -hmm. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. But but seeing those little pocket areas or or on the borders of things, um, it wasn't really, you know, you don't see this crazy price differences, but it it did. It was more school district and everything else. But um, yeah, I don't think the Midwest, like they're saying, um, honestly, like, a lot of people left. And so it, I know they have like a retention problem too. So it could be related to population growth coming back or, or people figuring that out. So, well, I'm in a very small city (laughs) and it's largely in Iowa, in Iowa, a large, you don't have to say, you can just say city. I mean, I can say Iowa City. <laughs> I'm a city in There's Iowa. Like three of them. My definition, right? <laughs> yeah, Small yeah. City. Another bad um, joke from Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> and here, they're still building and building m- more than I would expect for an area with this size population, mm-hmm. because the population is so much smaller when you subtract out all the students. So. Yeah, it seems to be happening pretty steadily here. It's uh, it never it looks like it never had as big a boom as say Greensboro did when I was over there in North Carolina, but it it does seem to have kind of a steady increase. Yep. I feel compelled to go back to my terrible joke about Redfin at the beginning just to explain <laughs> it in case you don't know. But the general industry is talking a lot about three different companies having severe potential cash 
challenges or just um, being able to, to to keep things moving forward. Compass is a big one. Uh, general real estate company that was leveraging technology, but also paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to steal agents from other companies. Uh, Redfin as another because their model is different than others, and they never really, even in the best real estate market, you know, potentially ever, couldn't really make the model as successful as it it could have been or seemingly should have been on paper. Um, and Open Door, you know, having uh, uh, the the challenge of going from blistering a house appreciation to you know writing off a billion dollars uh, last quarter. But, but Redfin to me of the three is just kind of like, where do you go from here? So if you are work at Redfin and you don't hate me for saying that and you want to come on and tell me where you're going, come on the show. All right, let's move on to favorites. Jackie. Uh, Chrome extensions. I know a lot of browsers out there, but my goodness, I swapped to Chrome and I obviously never go back a few years ago. Um, they, I feel like they have an extension for everything that can save you time. So the other day we're, we're, we're talking to a builder and we're like, all right, well, let's check the pixels on your website, make sure your analytics are in there. And she's like, well, how do I do that? And we're like, oh, there's just this Chrome extension for you to check the health of, of this. She's like, oh my goodness. You know, like it, it's surprising how many little tools they have available to save your day. And for anyone not builder related Christmas shopping, there's a Chrome extension called Honey that scans every single coupon code website and applies those in your shopping cart. So lo- love my Chrome extensions. Nice. Awesome. Deep. Becca? I think it's usertesting.com or one of the sites like it because it's probably been a while since we've tested our websites to see how easy they are for people to use. Um, and now that the market is changing, we can't just put stuff up and hope everybody gets it. We have to be absolutely sure that our website is the easy button to find a new home. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, user testing, try my UI. They're changing their name to something else, but basically yeah. the same tool heat mapping s- solutions like lucky orange, um, mm-hmm. hot jar also incredibly important, um, because you can get real time feedback. Although remember, uh, if you live in a highly t- litigious area, uh, Zillow is getting sued for using heat mapping essentially to try to improve their product. So just make sure your privacy policy, um, communicates what it needs to communicate. My favorite, I have two things by way of my children. The first is the architecture series from Lego, um, because I love all things building. It's just the most fun, like sure superheroes and star Wars, all this stuff is great, but being able to build a small version of New York city. And it looks like that would just take you 10 minutes to do, but it, <laughs> they're still very intricate sets. Um, and they also have a, a version of the set where you can just get pure white blocks, which again, amazing packaging and marketing from Lego. It's just a bunch of all white, because when you're in architecture class, I took an architecture class when I was in high school, you t- tend to start with cardboard or paper, and then you move up to just like uh styrofoam or like, but it, it's all a single color because it's, it's supposed to be about the form and, and not be distracted by the rest. So they also do that. My kids um, love Legos. It's just, it's fantastic. And then the, the other one is the um, essential, well, I should have the link to it, but the, the complete Calvin and Hobbes mm-hmm. uh, series, it comes in three ginormous books and I bought it uh, for myself because I'm a big Calvin and Hobbes fan. Gosh, maybe four years ago. Um, 
Let's see if it's for sale. This won't be an affiliate link, by the way. You can get it um, brand new for 200 bucks, used for as low as 60, it looks like, online. But they're giant, giant books. And my boys, um, I started reading that to them. I've tried two times before when they were younger. They're now um, eight, and Hayden will turn 10 next week. And they are in it to win it with Calvin and Hobbes to the point where we're going to Disney for New Year's. And my uh, son Hayden goes, hey, dad, are we going to take, I mean, this book probably weighs like 15 pounds each or so. so they're, they're enormous. Are we going to bring one of those to Disney? Because we can't like break this tradition <laughs> of reading Calvin and Hobbes before bedtime. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's classic. Like any good um, storyteller, Watterson goes back and forth from mostly comical situations that kids uh, get into, but then, you know, deals with life and death issues. And it's, it's also just really good. Cause they're like, dad, why is that joke funny? Um, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> the other, the other night I had to explain what a VCR was uh, as well. So it's got history, um, <laughs> philosophy, humor. It's all, all wrapped into one. So Calvin and Hobbes is my current favorite as well. I love how VCR. Want, like that's a, a lot of people have traditions around the holiday, but I th- I think that's one we'll try to do is like let's just um, read read Calvin Hobbes even once we get through all the books, which they're also deathly afraid of. Dad, we're almost through book one. How many books are there? Are you sure there's only two? Are you sure there isn't something else that we can read? <laughs> That'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to become a member for free of DYC's All Access Community app for home builders and developers. Watch behind-the-scenes videos from the podcast, frequent exclusive postings and analysis from the team, access to private hangouts, and more, of which I meant to talk about this earlier. We are starting, you'll hear more about this all over the place, marketing impact groups. Marketing impact groups, these will be groups of five to six marketers that we will help facilitate and organize you. We will give you a private space to communicate, to text each other, to share articles to share content in a completely private place. Um, but we'll help you facilitate that. Cause one of the things that people have shared is I love when I go to the summit, I meet all these people and then either I'm too shy or everything gets too busy. And I feel like I kind of disconnect until the summit happens again. We don't want that to happen, especially going into a tougher year. Some of the, someone also this week was like, ah, I'm feeling kind of like burnt out. It's the holidays. And I go, you know why you feel burnt out is because you're on an Island other than talking to us. And what you, if you were talking to five other marketers around the country who were also like, yeah, I'm struggling with that too, you would feel better uh, just knowing that you're not alone. She's like, oh yeah. So here's the only uh, interesting part about this and we have to find the right way to do it. When my kids go to camp, uh, summer camp, you get to request like one or two people to be in your cabin with you. If you know someone else who's going to be at the camp at the same time, that's going to be the trickiest part of this, but we will try to honor those requests. So if you're not already in all access, get in there. Details will go there first, and then we'll put it out. Uh, You'll you'll have to be a member of All Access in order to be part of an impact group. But, uh, okay, now we're done with the show. See you next week. See you, everyone. See ya. Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Opendoor. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Opendoor to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peek, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work 
and make sure your company is market proof.